0: up your books you Bad apples. Hi everyone. this is the Bad Apple Book Club podcast. Lucas Nord here, Cole Lang here um, and before we even got started, I've mentioned in multiple episodes that I listen to every episode multiple times. I probably listen to it once once or twice before it's out on the sound waves for everyone else to listen to and then, when it's uploaded, I'll listen to it then too. And there's a big problem with the podcast that should probably be addressed, and I think it should have been addressed a long time ago. Oh no, what is it? I myself personally made the same joke in episode one and three of a Clockwork Orange, and I'm ashamed, and I just want to publicly apologize right now uh what What was the joke? I don't even remember. The joke was um, when Alex was assaulting the cat lady in part one and everything's going wrong. He's slipping in the saucers. He's got a cat stuck to his leg, all that stuff. Uh, I mentioned that he like steps on a rake and it flies up and hits him in the face. Yeah. And then I said the same thing when he was getting attacked by the old people in part three. And I am ashamed. Oh. And I think- I think that this is just, I I think basically what I'm trying to get at is I will be stepping down from the Bad Apple Book Club (laughs) podcast. It will only be Cole from now on reading books by himself.
1: (laughs) I actually, I
0: had an idea for it. I didn't want to leave you high and dry. So I think it would be pretty cool if we could switch up or you could switch up the whole format and instead of reading a book and talking about it, you could read the book to to yourself while recording. (laughs) and then just talk
1: to myself about it afterwards sure. i okay. mean hey man
0: hey it's your it's i mean it's gonna be your podcast then or your <laughs> entire being for for what thou art to do with it so i mean yeah i just had to get that off my chest it's been haunting me ever since i made the realization
1: no i mean i'm all for it this cancel culture thing we gotta it's happening um it's just gonna be me no uh just- At least we didn't
0: pull an Ellen. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Hey, everyone. We're going to be doing the discussion episode for A Clockwork Orange here. If you listen to all six parts of Crime and Punishment and listen to the discussion, you know the idea. We're going to be hanging... Hanging loose on this episode, we're gonna be kind of talking about the book overall, and hopefully get into some themes and maybe butt heads over things we disagree on. But um, in the meantime, Ellen, man, talk about a fall from grace! Oh man, we need to cancel Finding Dory, man! Like is was- cancel? See, yeah, cancel Finding it. Dory. You heard I it think, here first. I, I, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. But now that I think about it, when someone on TV Looks like they're super duper happy. That probably means that they're the meanest, most miserable person on Earth. And Ellen, she's always dancing on the show. <laughs> it
1: just goes to show if you're a happy dancing person, might not be what it seems like. Um, you might be a evil yeah, monster man. that uh, treats their staff like crap. Yeah, yeah but,
0: she's supposed to be a real piece of work.
1: <laughs> yeah, I could, I, I could see it, man. Uh, so I'm calling for Disney to, um, yeah, cancel Finding Dory, or at least edit all of Dory out of Finding Dory. So Genius. it's just, yeah. So if there's a picture with just Dory in it talking, uh, edit that out and get Ellen's voice out of there because that cannot be in my Disney universe.
0: Maybe even. What is that thing people are always talking about, deepfakes? Is that the term?
1: Yeah, where it looks maybe, like a face with
0: a... Yeah, like a filter yep. face filter, yep. Might I even suggest deepfaking and redubbing with maybe a bit of a... Like, Roseanne Barr to play Dory instead of Ellen. And then you could have the same movie, but it would be better because, for one, it wouldn't have Ellen. And for two it would have Roseanne Barr. Enough of this baloney. (laughs) We're doing the show. Um, We read A Clockwork Orange by Anthony Burgess, 1962. He hated the book. He banged it out in three weeks. He invented an entirely new language. At one point in his life, he was diagnosed with a terminal disease only to be told that he was misdiagnosed. Gotcha. The guy had a storied life. Has mixed feelings about the book. That's to be... Yeah, he, he just... It, it kind of ruined his life. Yeah, we've partially discussed this kind of stuff before, and it's very unfortunate, but I am glad that we have the book because I like it a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah it, was a, it, it was a fun read. It really was. Absolutely. Um, never
0: Never read anything like it before. No, no. Now, did we want to maybe work our way through the story discussing, or did you have any key points specifically that you wanted to talk about? Because I know I've got a few, but if you had something to get the ball rolling here, then I'm all yours, pal. I I think the biggest thing to break down is just um, the themes. Like,
1: what did you think about the, I guess the technique and
0: everything about that situation? I think everything about the technique is just, ridiculous and vile and all that stuff obviously but i'm sure there were some people reading the book who just plowed through part one of the book and they thought well if anybody's got this kind of thing coming to them it's this kid who just spent the first part of the book beating and raping indiscriminately Mm -hmm. and i mean i i don't have complete sympathy for alex through the whole book but the technique they put him through is just about as ghastly a thing as i can think of and as if the act of being tied to the chair with your glazzy's pried open watching torture films wasn't bad enough the hangover of it that he lives through in part three is probably just as bad i would say you know what i mean there's absolutely nothing good about this thing i don't know if we want to get like Political, And I don't even know if this is getting political, I guess, but I think if there's someone like Alex, I guess, I think if there's anything to do with them, you just keep them <laughs> locked away from society. You know what I mean? You don't freaking
1: what you don't send him back as a brain dead
0: person basically well, yeah, and they even talk about um when he gets out and he's met up with f Alexander and all those guys when they talk about how they wish he was a bit more zombie like. And I mean, who's to even say how he looked in general after the whole thing, too? You know, Malcolm McDowell isn't a good representation because it's like um, someone may be much more emaciated in the ratings of a book. But when it gets to the TV show, they can't have someone drop 50 pounds just to shoot one scene. So yeah and another thing too was that
1: the period they shot the film was the shortest one he's ever done for a movie, and it was the lowest budget he did as well so oh man yeah. yep
0: i I gotta say i maybe I probably wouldn't have even read this book if the movie didn't exist and just blow the a clockwork orange ip or whatever sky high i think ip is technically games
1: uh well i mean i i agree like if the movie never came out i would have not heard of the book i feel like
0: most of the world wouldn't have really known about the book we've both read the book and watched the movie and my beef is that i just i like watching the movie after finishing the book too but It's just kind of weird to have the entire like franchises. Once again, I don't think that's the right word for it. It's kind of weird to have the whole image tied to the Kubrick thing, because even people reading the book are thinking of Malcolm McDowell wearing the all white with the bowler hat, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's very hard to come up with your own version of Alex. I guess for that. Oh, yes. Coming up with him because he's so iconic in the first place. And also just because you've heard so much about the movie, you know, probably ever since you were a kid. Who knows when the first time we heard about it was. But but yeah, like I was saying, it's kind of a double edged sword because I probably wouldn't have read the book if the movie didn't exist just because it may have been lost to the literary sands of time. But I guess I'm not entirely sure. What do you think of ludovico technique oh man i thought that was Gastly. like yeah that was the
1: that that was where the deep stuff the the deep stuff you get into right Yep. like i feel like if people yeah just read part one they're like what the hell is this book all about and then but part two kind of hits you right away with oh this is about like human choice and like is it better to have a person who does good choices or is it better to have a person that does bad choice or is it it's better to have a choice than to have no choice at all it, the which clockwork is clockwork orange yeah which is like the whole theme and that was kind of crazy because you know you don't really think about that a government really doing that unless you're in like an authoritarian government yeah, it's just a scary thought.
0: Would you describe the government in the book as authoritarian? Because what we know for sure, even though it's pretty vague, is that the news is pumped out by them and them only. They make sure everyone has a job past the age of 18 or whatever. Every time they're showing something called a world cast, it's shown on every TV, whether you want to or whether you're in the middle of the game or not. You know what I mean? Would you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, is that like the closest term that could come to it you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, when I think of this government, it is almost like North Korea where propaganda is just kind of pushed out and the citizens themselves don't have much of a choice and kind of have to just kind of bow their heads and work. I mean, when any when anything's mentioned about the government with any other character that's not Alex. They're just like talking about work and like uh, everyone's required to work in this world. And talking
0: about work or y- being like, man, this government we got's a real bummer.
1: <laughs> yeah, like like you could tell with um F. Alexander and his gang, the stuff they were doing was really dangerous. And they had to, you know, kind of plan that out. and And that was the group that... Uh, basically forced Alex to jump out of the window um, in part three there. But yeah, like I'm sure if because Ludovico's technique, you know, I don't really foresee it becoming a thing of science. Uh, (laughs) But if it ever was to become like a scientific uh, experiment or technique or existed, it would only exist in a country like North
0: Korea. So, oh, right. I know what you mean. And actually yeah. going back to going back to something you said, I think another very interesting part of this book is the fact that there isn't like any good character. Yeah. Like, I mean, Alex is obviously awful. And then he lands in the hands of this poor guy who he assaulted years earlier. And this gang of goonies of his who literally see Alex as like. Well their mouth is pretty much watering looking at him seeing him as like I guess not a dollar sign but you know like oh yeah I can I can't even can't even list off all the ways we can take advantage of this kid here And F. Alexander even turns out to be a bit, well, they say they lock him away at the end of the book for everyone's safety and stuff like that. But once again, we've also kind of talked about how he's the more sympathetic between him and Alex, I think. But it's very interesting stuff. He even wrote the book A Clockwork Orange, which is really strange because I can't help but think about the book we read being inside the book we read. Yeah, breaking uh that. fourth wall kind of (laughs) but yeah it sounds like the the one written in the book was more philosophical because alex gleams from thumbing through it that man is the fruit of god's tree and it's not meant to be set up with you know gears and pulleys and all that stuff like a clockwork orange yeah it was um very interesting that
1: he put it in there too but another thing with um government which was interesting I feel like one question that has to be asked, too, is like, so the whole thing comes down to is what should the government do with Alex? You know, because Alex is the problem. No, just like in general, like how should the government approach somebody like Alex? Because believe it or not, there's people like Alex that exist. Oh, yeah as awful as it may be so it's just kind of like how how do you approach that kind of thing and it um, and it shows a lot you know you can make them into this clockwork orange and make all of society kind of brain dead and follow the government quote and quote-unquote quote unquote, perfect yeah exactly I mean a perfect society isn't going to be well achievable really so yeah and it kind of brings me to A Brave New World. I don't know if you're too familiar with the book, but... Not at but, all, um, other than the title. Yeah, so it's kind of like a precursor to 1984. And, well, I want to say without Brave New World, we wouldn't have 1984. But all the citizens kind of have to take this drug, and it kind of makes them like a perfect society. I guess. And mm, very everyone similar to the book. Yeah. Yeah. So like that concept is really interesting to me. Yeah. It's just kind of uh it, it, it is a hard question, like how to approach, these kind of issues and do we use like Hammurabi's code which I I don't want to talk about my travel experience again but
0: oh uh, come on Cole (laughs) we all know you want to talk about it you know that some of us want to hear about it
1: yeah but at at, at the the art museum in Paris did you see the Mona Lisa
0: I did I did nice yeah she is beautiful in person as she is in all the pictures I've seen
1: me You know hey.
0: she's she's fine, but I mean it's behind this thing of glass, and she, uh, she was um she was taking some misleading photos for her Tinder profile, right?
1: Yeah, she
0: catfished (laughs) me,
1: man. I went to Paris.
0: I went all the way to Paris to find this Mona Lisa, and yeah, all of her pictures. (laughs) She was doing the cheerleader effect, taking a picture with like the girl with the pearl earrings right next to her. So you're like, oh, that Mona Lisa's looking pretty good. (laughs) Okay, sorry. In the Louvre. Yeah, they had Hammurabi's
1: code on like this giant uh, rock. From, and for those of us unfamiliar uh so hammurabi's code is like the very basic like law system it's like i want to say it's one of the first if not the first law system to exist pretty much pretty and, much be good don't be bad yeah and i mean it's literally in the, i don't know but it's like the eye for an eye tooth for a tooth thing so if you steal your hand gets cut off uh stuff like that Um, but yeah, it just makes you, I mean, these are questions that have been, uh, asked ever since the time of, yeah, that Hammurabi's code, which it's probably like over 2000 years old, I believe. So it's
0: awesome that that kind of stuff is still, you know, kept and restored and stuff like that. Um, now if we could go back to it a bit, actually, do you have any particular thoughts on the film after, uh, reading the book? Yeah, so I think it is a very good adaptation.
1: It's like, sure, they cut out some things. um, Right. But a lot of it seems to be almost like a shot-for-shot thing. It's Um, no
0: The Shining.
1: No. I don't know. It's up there for one of my favorite Kubrick films, for sure. Shining's got to be number one, I think. Uh, Oh, yeah. I think Malcolm McDowell did a pretty good job. He, He carried... Alex in a way that was very well, because in this whole novel, it's kind of hard for us to uh, break down the language of this novel and how Alex narrates it. But it's almost yep. I mean, he is a younger kid, so it's almost like a child like narration of this. So, I mean, you get a very sure this character's awful, but you have he has such like a light hearted narration style and just kind of funny and i think yeah and i think malcolm mcdowell does do a good job did a really good job at displaying that even though he
0: he was probably a lot older uh than uh 15 that's actually what i wanted to get to because i watched (laughs) the movie and i was like man malcolm mcdowell's been acting for a while alex in the book is 15 let's just he he was 29 when they made the movie. <laughs> <laughs> 29, really? 29 years old. Oh, my gosh. That seems like yep. a
1: lifetime from now. But I know it's uh, just as close as uh, 17
0: because uh, I'm 23 now. So I know it's oh, not right. even that far anymore. But see... He was twenty nine. He played the part very well. I think that he's awesome in the movie. I think that he's. I actually can't think of too many things I've seen Malcolm McDowell in, but I really like him, and he uh, did a good job in the movie, kind of portraying this like weird kid, yeah. not just weird, obviously. But speaking of the language, too, actually, I wanted to talk about Nad a little bit because I read through the book and didn't think of it much, and then once we or once I was punching up the outlines, I kind of became obsessed with it. And I was like trying to figure out what the different words mean and making sentences in my brain out of NADSAT. And I actually I found a really good example when I was just reading a random uh, passage of just pure or true blue NADSAT where Alex says he's talking about outdoor cats that never felt a Vex Rooker on their back in their entire (laughs) jeansy. What? Uh, cats <laughs> that they're like strays. So they never, they were never pet by a, anyone in their whole life. Oh man. Rooker Vec Jeansy, Yeah. Jeansy is the word for life. <laughs> <laughs> and I was reading a, a, small essay on NADSAT. It might actually be in the afterword of my book, but I was poking through stuff online and it's very interesting because. A lot of the words are just kind of bastardized Russian because like Alex refers to everything as horror show, but, or, and it means like good or well, and the Russian word for good or well is Koroshow. I believe it's spelled K-H-O-R-O-S-H-O. So you can see where Bird just got horror show out of that and even made it a little creepier and stuff like that. Or another example is like, uh, well, I mean, Alex like refers to eggs as eggy wags and stuff like that. And that (laughs) isn't taken right from the Russian, but there's all sorts of words through the whole thing where you can definitely see the Russian root. And I, while researching, I even learned that NADSAT is like the term for, teens in Russia like it means yeah. like 11 through 19 or something like that so yeah they're speaking teenage but I'm just I'm completely obsessed with the language I find it very interesting how some of it like I was saying with Korosho some of it makes sense when you read it and then he says the word slushy, When he's asking if someone understands what he's saying, do you slushy? (laughs) And I don't think that anyone has ever said that word before. Yeah. Well, like in uh, English sense, like you've never heard that word ever. No. I mean, has anyone ever used the word slushy? Like, hey, hey. Are you? Do you slushy what I'm saying right now? (laughs) It kind of takes the punch out of it too. Yeah, because
1: it sounds so much like a slushy, and I when I think of slushy, I think of my innocent
0: childhood days, and you know, I'm not gonna lie, I was just at the gas station the other night. I was looking for something to grab, and I didn't end up going through with it. But they had the the spinning slushy machine that I think. I would always take note of in like um, Burger King when I was younger with like the Coke and the cherry flavor with like the polar bear on it and stuff yeah, like that. And I didn't buy yeah. one, but it was a bit of a trip down memory lane, even though I got to be honest, I don't think I've ever had one of those in my entire life.
1: Yeah, I've honestly
0: only had that maybe a couple times, like that specific one. Getting back to all this stuff, there was an interesting point I thought that I really wanted to kind of dive into regarding Ludovico's technique Shoot, And that is maybe, maybe people read through the book and don't give it a second thought, but I'm hung up on wondering where they're getting these films from. Ooh. You know what I mean? What is this yeah. government procured snuff? Cause not to get too lewd with it, but, there's people being burned alive and having their bits chopped off and stuff like that. Like they're showing these films. It's real life stuff. Yeah. Alex doesn't give it much of a second thought. He just, he just kind of goes, Oh wow. This is kind of a weird thing for the government. I kind of like my <laughs> government now. <laughs> yeah. No, if they didn't, if they forgot to put the um, drugs in him, he's like, Oh, I'm not sure if this is going to do anything for me out on the streets, but I'm having a good time now. <laughs> Kravvy never looked so red as it did on the big screen. Yeah. That's that's what he says for blood. I think it's... (laughs) Another good one. Kravvy. Yeah,
1: I I think it's heavily implied that um, this is made by the government, except for the things like the Japanese torture scenes. That was the only one that was like really specific. Right. uh, That has a historical context. But yeah, the rest of it was, I could see the government doing it. I mean, like I was saying earlier, I mean, that's kind of stuff I could see happening with North Korea and like I could see them, obviously they commit crimes against their own people.
0: So sorry, uh, speaking of World War II, that made me think of what year the book takes place in and if we will recall in part one. Alex and the boys stole a newish '95 Durango. Now, I don't think that the Dodge Durango was a car back then, but so it's probably it probably wasn't one of those that they stole. But do you think that newish '95 means that the book takes place in the late 90s or the early 2000s or anything like that? Because it clearly isn't spelled out for us.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know. That That's the thing about this book is that there's so much for interpretation. And with that car, I would say that maybe it's just like a model number because I, I really because like I, I searched this myself and I really couldn't find a solid answer on like what time period this was. It's kind of like up in the air, kind of existing Absolutely. in its own universe, like... I don't even know if the uh, town or whatever they live in is in a real location. It was shot on a real location in the movie in Britain. So
0: I, I don't even know where it's supposed to be at either. Also kind of interesting to think of how World War Two being mentioned while he's watching the film is really the only thing that like tethers us to reality. Because he can't think of any other parts when he's talking about flipping off Big Ben or anything like that. You know what I mean? But there's the very specific mention of the Japanese World War II torture films.
1: Yeah, that was pretty much the only thing that I can think of that really gave us a context of
0: the setting as as far as the time goes. Post-World War II, and that's all you get to know.
1: So as far as characters, I really wanted to... Dive into the characters kind of like what we did with Crime and Punishment, sure. but with this book, the only character is Alex. Basically, the rest of these yep. guys are
0: pretty much forgettable. So, I mean, I, I'm not sure that I would call him forgettable, but like Dunya was in a good chunk of Crime and Punishment, Razumian, shout out to Razumian, he was obviously in a big part of the book, but yeah, characters here. And a clockwork orange kind of come and go like yeah. reading it. You might think right from the start that Alex and his boys are just going to raise raise Cain through the whole book and that they'll kind of be riding together. But his boys are gone after part one. And then you never see uh, most of the prison characters after part two and all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of just Alex on his Adi Naki. Oh, there is another good one. The Russian word for lonesome is odinok, so I guess no, that would be like odinok. Oh. So when Alex uh. says that he's all on his own, he's on his odinoky. <laughs> so that makes but me yeah. genuinely
1: curious. Uh, have you slipped up and spoke some nadsat like to just like random people at work, or I wouldn't call it slipping up.
0: <laughs> it's part of me now, damn it <laughs> And he, here's another good one He calls uh, He refers to the head As a gulliver And the The Russian word for that is Glava Wow! <laughs> Up in the old gulliver You got your litso oh, and your Your mouth full of zoobies I Your actually, rock full of zoobies
1: Yeah, I actually remember that Because I was looking at the uh, Whole wordless of the language and yep. Gulliver came up or wh- however you say it. And that's yeah, actually where Gulliver. Gulliver's tra- travels come from is what from that mean? word. Uh, I book? don't, yeah, yeah. Uh, what? cause I, I don't really know much about the book, but I think all of it's kind of in his head in the book or something. So that's kind of where Gulliver comes from.
0: I'll have to fact check that, but yeah. Did you see that movie? uh gulliver's travels
1: i don't think so but it's weird how i remember this but i'm pretty sure my brother did see it uh in theaters or something your parents
0: just left you at home
1: (laughs) yeah they're like cole you just sit here and read
0: like you always do Yeah, maybe just, a new Harry Potter book came out and they invited you, and you just wanted nothing to do with that. <laughs> I'd probably either be doing
1: that or drawing, because I was always drawing. I, I'd draw to the point where I drew a lot of monsters. I was always drawing monsters, and my dad would be like, "Why don't you draw something
0: nice for once?" So I remember uh, some of those, uh, some of those drawings. Oh wow, really? That's a blast! From the, I remember. Oh yeah, man, I remember some of the like uh, giant scenes of multiple things going on if my um, if my memory isn't failing me right now. What was it specifically about Alex that you wanted to mention, being that he's the only character that we get real face time with? And it's not really mm. by choice because he's the one telling the story. I guess it's kind of telling, isn't it? Like he's telling the story. All these other characters are pretty minor to him. oh wow that's great very good because he doesn't even bother remembering the title of the minister of interior or (laughs) inferior yeah i mean it probably isn't even meant in a disrespectful way he's just like yeah it's interior or inferior i can never nail it down or (laughs) as i've mentioned before like before he jumps out the window in part three He prays to Bog or God for, (laughs) you know, for him to forgive humanity for ruining Alex's life. I love Bog or God. And actually, in that little um, essay I was reading about NADSAT, it was just awful because I specifically looked it up trying to figure out if there was any deeper context to Bog or God. And then Mm -hmm. the thing I was reading was like a scan of a piece of paper and it cut off right before it said what the person thought they were doing. So I'm just haunted by that now. Ah, that's very frustrating. Yeah, that's awesome, though. That's a really good way of putting it is they're minor characters in the book because they're minor characters to Alex Alex. himself. That's awesome.
1: And it just goes to show like, yeah, this isn't Bog or God's world. This is Alex's world. Like yeah, I suppose. Um, but no, no it, to it, memorize. Yeah, it's very interesting. Alex himself, because like I've said, as awful as it is, he is. Uh, you can like this character at certain moments. Yes. Um, so when I was kind of going back through the book as well, he starts off every part with "What's it going to be then?" A, and then
0: that he confused starts-
1: me. So I think I'll, I'll give it my, uh, my theory here. (gasps) Um, So he starts that off with every part. And then I I believe he starts it off in part 21 as well. So it's kind of like him asking himself, what's it going to be then? A is him asking himself like different phases of his life. So like, Once we get to the very final chapter, he's like, okay, what's it going to be then? Like, are you going to be a shitty person or are you going to be a man with a baby that goes goo, goo, goo? Uh, Yeah, goo, goo, goo with milk
0: all like (laughs) dribbling out its rot.
1: Yeah, so I I thought that was interesting. uh, Like just him acknowledging uh, his transition because I mean, you, you have even said it too. That each part is very distinct in its own way, like oh, it's a it's a very different part of his life in each chapter, like three separate bad, stories, pretty much. Yeah, it's like him being bad, transition, him being
0: bad slash good, depending on what version you read. Now, so, see, that was actually something I was trying to figure out yesterday. Just breaking down the book completely. To part one is the crime part two is the punishment but what is part three so part three i would say is more of
1: uh the horrors of his life coming back to haunt him and the horrors that have been done to himself like everyone that he assaulted comes back almost everyone uh to part three to (laughs) <laughs> beat him basically the old guys old men old men do. alexander tries to uh, get him to
0: jump out a window
1: yeah even his parents are like uh not too sure what to think about him i mean if he was a good kid his parents i'm sure would have taken him in but they had it they had the new kid on the block uh staying with them
0: so yeah joe <laughs> son 2.0 stepped up yeah, uh, he's paying rent, Alex. <laughs> well, hey, uh, we that's that's a thing too though. Um, you know, the guy the guy lives there. He's he's paying his due. I I don't think Joe is all that bad. He's mean to Alex, but you know, it's it's kind yeah, of Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty fair.
1: It, it is just um it, it was funny to me at least just kind of how it how uh abrasive he was to alex when he first walked in he's like i'm i got your room now but um
0: he must have spent a lot of nights listening to alex's parents like cry about how awful their child is or something like that yeah he's he comes swinging out the gate
1: yeah which is just another thing like you know you don't really get to see how much um these characters think of alex that much because it's just not like really expanded on. It's like a whole case study of Alex's mind. Like this kind of like similar to crime and punishment, you know, to the point where you're looking inside of Alex and um, th- this cruel and unusual punishment that has been on him for some time. So would you like to discuss the two very different endings? Uh, I guess very we can start off endings. with chapter 20. the uh, or the American version, you can uh, kind of take us off with that since you are living in America and you have read that
0: version. I live in America. I read that version of the book. Once again, just a day or two ago, listen listened to part three to kind of refresh my memory because if I may say, the uh, the hosts on the Bad Apple Book Club, not only are they funny and informative, but they just break the book down so well that it's almost like you're reading it along. We break it. Um, I mean, they break it down to the point where you don't even have to read it. It's that good. Yeah, no, it's like, why would I read a 600 page book when I can listen to these two beautiful (laughs) men talk about it? But uh, listening to it, I was, you know, thinking back on chapter 21, obviously the book or the movie is based on the American version. Alex, jumps out the window and breaks his whole body and they fix him up. And then he he was cured. All right, because, you know, that once he's up and running again, he's going to be right back into his old ways. But chapter 21 ends on an actual lighthearted note. And the thought that they cut the final chapter out of a book that someone wrote with an ending actually kind of drives me crazy now that I think (laughs) about it, because, Who's to say that you don't just take a hundred pages out of some book and all of a sudden that's like your story for some reason because you chopped up someone else's work? You know what I mean? It makes me think of like obviously people that make chopped and screwed music aren't claiming it for their own, but for those unaware, sometimes when you know someone will release rap music. Someone else will come along and they'll chop it and screw it, which means re-looping specific bits or making the voices pitch down and slowing the whole thing up. Chopping and screwing is a very appropriate term because they chop and screw the music. But what made someone think, you know, there is an ending to this book, seven chapters per page or seven chapters per part, 21 (laughs) chapters. And But, you know, I'm just not really feeling this last chapter. And then the rest of the book, or the rest of the world, reads like the actual book. So I don't think that I like the ending for 20, but not just because of that. It's because listening through 21, it made me actually think of the moral question of Alex being old enough to once again, he doesn't even think, I can't believe I've done all these horrible things with <laughs> my life. I'm going to go off and be a good person. He's like, you know, I'm actually kind of bored of all this, which yeah. <laughs> I guess is better than nothing. But I suppose the uplifting message at the end isn't bad, but um, it's really crazy because it's literally taking that final chapter out as night and day. And I, I said this during the part three episode, but hearing you talk about it does make it sound like fanfic with like the at the end, Alex saying to all thy droogies out there, kiss my cherries. Like <laughs> saying all that stuff kind of sounds like if someone was like, well, you know, I think this could use a bit of a more upbeat ending. So I'm just going to punch one of those up real quick. But yeah, it is. I think rushed. I have to. I think I. Oh, well, that's what's so weird about it, too. Is maybe that was part of why they cut it out too, but like, what was it that makes that chapter sound so different? Did Anthony Burgess maybe have a different uh, idea rolling around in his Gulliver writing it up? And then at the end, he himself, because you mentioned that through research, you learned that he was, uh, he had a lot of thoughts on like moral um, redemption and yeah, moral growing redemption up. so maybe he you know had different thoughts going into it or maybe he had the ending planned from the beginning but it's very strange to think about how weird that final chapter is but i think i'll have to read it for myself to really get a handle on it but i just It is so weird. It's not even that they cut the final chapter out for half the world. It's not even that they cut the final chapter out for the first run. If you buy the book in America, it's only got 20 chapters. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's just it is
1: very weird. But I think a lot of it uh, talking about chapter 21 and just kind of how it feels like fan fiction somewhat. I think some of it is just. He wrote the thing in three weeks. So, sure.
0: and, kind of hard to stick the landing after that, maybe.
1: And, and in America, too, like I mentioned, it was just. I, I, I feel like we didn't really want any feel good bullshit anymore because um, we were going through Vietnam at the time or is it it starting to ramp up. And in some parts of the Cold War, it was um, pretty intense as well. So, I guess I get it. But at the same time, I'm thinking because I guess we could be considered artists now, like making stuff for people, you know, a podcast.
0: Don't Uh, even have that little giggle at the beginning, bro. I'm not even making a joke right (laughs) now, but I was watching I was watching the last drive in with Joe Bob Briggs and he had this very inspirational message at the end of one of the shows when he's talking about how. Uh, people send him their movies and they say, oh, we couldn't do this, we couldn't do that, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, hey, man, if you got a camera and you got a computer to write stuff on, then you can do anything. And don't let anyone tell you that you're not a director because if you're filming a movie and you're directing it, then you're a director. So I, like I said, I actually feel quite strongly about that. And I don't think there's any ifs, ands, or buts about it. We're sitting here yeah I spent a hundred and sixty dollars on a microphone to talk into because for some reason I think someone might want to listen to me talk when they're not being forced <laughs> to when I'm with them. <laughs> and they can do it out of the
1: convenience of their phone so i don't even have to be there (laughs) people can listen to me talk while they sleep but yeah like um so uh, we're content creators whatever and like i guess i guess like i'm seeing it from i'm seeing more from burgess's point of view like if we had a podcast Uh, and I don't know, maybe we're making up stories or something. And then like the, our publisher Spotify or whatever says, I don't like that last part. Doesn't even really consult us on it. And it changes the whole different ending of like whatever we just recorded. And then it goes on to be adapted by one of the most famous directors. And it was an ending that you did not like. Yes. Spotify. (laughs) We're waiting. Uh, Yeah. um, uh, so just call me. I would be very angry too. But I don't know. And that's another thing. Like I feel like you have to treat these as almost two separate books. I yes. think that's the best way to put it. And like as far as I'm gonna write it, like that's how I'm gonna do it as well. Because they are two very separate books. And um I don't know. Like I I, I like both endings. Like it's yes. it's hard for me to pick. So I don't know which which ending do you like the
0: most. Now, actually, I wanted to go back to something real quick that I just thought of as you were saying that. Um, isn't it interesting to think that Burgess caught so much flack for putting out this book glorifying violence and all this, quote unquote, obviously not the case. Yeah. But who's to say that them cutting that final chapter out with the dark message isn't half the reason people hated the book so much because they're like, so first of all, this guy's writing about how good all this stuff is and now he can't even put a happy ending in it. Maybe that actually caught him a lot more um a lot more crap for writing the book than otherwise. I don't know. That's just that's something I thought of. But yeah. um like I was saying, I feel just very strongly in general, not even about the book about like a piece of work being changed, because you know, I'll like switch out the album artwork for something in my iTunes library. (laughs) And if you know me, I take my iTunes library very personally, but I'll even feel like it's like, oh, well, the artist wanted this picture to be associated with this music, but it also makes me feel creative in a way because it's like, what difference does it make if I switch it out? Everything is still the same, but I've just... Put my own tiny, teeny little twist on it. You know what I mean? That's just, that's more thoughts from my brain, though. I think I technically have to say that I like chapter 21 better, and not just because I feel forced, mostly not because of that. But not only does the idea of cutting that final one out for whatever reason drive me crazy, but it actually is kind of nice to. uh, We're talking about at the end of chapter 20, this person is going to go for the rest of their life doing the same horrible things that you just read. And then if you read one more chapter, he's completely hanging it up and he wants to have a child. They are so different morally and all that stuff. And both endings make more sense than I thought too, because even though it sounds like chapter one was sped through, it still sounds like, you know, Kids, even if they aren't doing the crazy kind of things Alex is doing, we've all known a little snot nose that grew up to be a completely fine child. Maybe you were that kid. Maybe you never grew out of being a snot nose. And if you're a snot nose right now, stop doing that. Um, So I think I technically just got to say that 21 is my favorite between the two because it's the actual ending of the book. And it is really weird how Chapter 20 – could actually wrap it up so perfectly too, but, um, what do you think? So I just had this thought and it's
1: actually, I think it's brilliant, but I mean, (laughs) yeah, I'm pondering this thought too, because so I I first saw the movie when I was in high school and when I was in high school, like, I don't know. I, I I've mentioned it before, but at home I could like be a moody teenager, whatnot, and uh, yeah, kids and listening to Five Finger Death
0: Punch, which I don't know why I listen to them. I, I do not like hey. their music anymore. But oh uh, come on, we I remember you went to a Five Finger Death Punch concert, and you're trying to tell me you aren't their biggest supporter. <laughs> Who are you okay, kidding?
1: well at the time. You, we're in Fargo, so like that was a huge deal for like one of these bands that I really liked uh, to come out. But I don't know. I I just have transitioned back to '90s rock. I love my '90s rock. I think '2000s rock just you know Vietnam had such good rock music, and then the Iraq War came out, and then we didn't really get that much of great uh, music or anything, really, in my opinion. But uh, that's just gave my hot
0: Creedence Clearwater.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is featured in every movie. But um, anyways, (laughs) so I watched that movie and, you know, I thought it was the weirdest thing ever. But that ending, I was like, dang, that's a really exaggerated way or a good way, really, to say you can't really change who you are. And I really liked that. But it was just such such in a horrendous way. So I really like that as a teenager. Now, as I read the novel and I've grown up, I'm like six years old or seven years old or whatever. <laughs> 23 I like that. Years old. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh,
0: disgusting. My bo- My bones are aching. Next um, thing you know, we're going to be laid up in beds for the rest of our lives or something like that. Yeah, my bones are aching. <laughs> yeah. The next episode is going to be recorded
1: in the nursing home itself. Uh, live from hospice. <laughs> live from hospice. Yeah, we're going to have uh, <laughs> our applesauce right next to us, so slurping that up. yeah. Sure. Uh, uh, I'll do that right now. <laughs> yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah, so I, it's actually interesting because like, I grew up a bit, obviously. Well, I like to think so. I still don't think my brain is fully matured yet. But I was just gonna say that—that's kind of up for debate. (laughs) Yeah, we can we can discuss that later. Um, But no, I feel like twenty-one is all about growing up and kind of shaming yourself for your like past actions and just kind of like it's like the scene in Toy Story. Like I'm done with you. You know, tossing the toy behind your back. And uh, spoiler
0: alert, (laughs) hey man, it's been out since '96. Wow. Let me just apologize for not only Cole but for We got that out. Wow. Yep, yep. You're <laughs> gonna have to cut that part out. Wow. 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 Anyway, uh, I'm gonna but- be sitting over here red hot for the next or for until we finish recording. But until then, I guess finish what you were saying.
1: <laughs> so I guess my final verdict is I liked if I was. 16, 17, whatever. I probably would have liked the American version better. But now that I've pondered it more, I think I do like the 21st chapter, but more, but it's not by much. I I feel like they're neck and neck. Um, It's just the idea of growing up.
0: I do like that a lot. How perfect that you can draw such clear parallels between The first time you viewed the movie and when you read the book, because I mentioned back in part three that there was obviously more book after Alex jumped out the window, but it had been so long since I saw the movie that I was like, is the last part just about like what he left behind or something like that? Because I hadn't remembered the famous, the very famous shot of him. Shaking hands with the Minister of Interior (laughs) or Inferior inside the hospital with that goofy smile on his face. Thumbs up. But you... It clearly left more of an impression on you. I can imagine. I'm kind of a slow poke, so I can imagine myself watching the movie when I'm fifteen being like, Oh, <laughs> well, I, I will get it. What exactly? I mean like uh, I guess it's time to watch another I guess it's time to watch another Transformers movie. <laughs> um, I don't think it's I've ever to... seen one of those. I don't think I've ever seen one of those all the way through for the record. It's time to put in the Call of Duty, man. That movie sucks. But um it's really cool that you can draw them so perfectly and how appropriate too being that you were younger when you watched it and you kind of related with the ending of you are who you are, but now <laughs> that you've so matured. Deep. Yep. Now that you've matured just like uh, Alex has, you can perhaps kind of see the Maybe not even the light, but you can kind of see the reasoning and writing behind the complete end of the book with chapter 21. I really do appreciate that.
1: Yeah, that just that final scene, like I was cured all right. I mean that that was like the one thing I remembered along with the uh, Ludovico's technique. I mean that was very vivid as well. Um, yep. so we,
0: yeah, I mean, that movie is full of famous shots, man. Yeah, very visual. Yes, absolutely. Almost even worth watching specifically for the visuals. It's got a good story to it, too, obviously. But I cannot think of such a visually appealing movie, actually. Like, right up in my brain. Even down to, like, Alex's bedroom with that weird comforter with, like, the... They look like um, D20s. Like, those, you know, 20-sided die for a comforter. Like... It's all pointy and pokey and stuff like that. And like the record story goes to and obviously the milk bar and even the Mm -hmm. hospital has a very interesting, um, interesting feel to it. Well, I mean, that's just Kubrick.
1: Like he his all of his movies are very uh, visually great. Like I, I think 2001 A Space Odyssey is probably one of the best looking movies ever. And Gotta read it before I
0: watch the movie, unfortunately. That's my creed now. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a book. Hey man, as far as I know, every Kubrick movie is adapted from a book or a story. Wow. Yep. Dang.
1: But yeah, I mean,
0: getting a little Maybe bit off track.
1: But um so I went to the film museum in Frankfurt and that had the alien suit there from the original alien which is super cool but they also had a couple shots from the shining and one that was uh you're talking about the xenomorph yeah cool you got to see the real the real thing dude yeah and it so it makes you appreciate the the uh, movie yeah well oh. the movie and the detail on the suit because the detail on the suit is amazing but at the same time the alien looks super small the costume does so they did a lot with angles I feel and just kind of barely awesome. showing the alien uh, because it just it looks like a man suit for the most part with the tail and then right. it has the iconic head
0: Well have you uh, have you seen? The pictures of the dude wearing the suit without the helmet. Uh, I I think I've only seen it with him on. With it on. He's, yeah, he's just a tall, skinny dude wearing like this. Uh, it kind of looks like a black spray painted PVC suit or something like that. Yeah, and obviously that, a lot of that movie is shot like in the dark, which is just, that's a cool movie. Oh, it's very good. I love it. So... Um, they had shots of The Shining.
1: Yeah, well, not even shots. They had the, I guess you could call it the storyboard and the Ooh. idea of the shots of uh, for the movie. And it had Kubrick's notes. And it is just the iconic shot of the Overlook Hotel from... History. Driving from, uh, fr- up? I, I think driving up or maybe walking to it. I can't remember the exact scene, but awesome. there were notes... All over this specific shot and i've seen some of those before oh dude and and i know in the movie specifically in uh clockwork orange they did a lot of retakes but i mean that wasn't uh uncommon in his movies but they oh absolutely not yeah but i guess uh he was pretty pleased with malcolm mcdowell so uh but
0: yeah they did shoot a lot for that movie and a lot of retakes so listening back to the first episode I hadn't watched the movie again yet and you mentioned how when Alex's droogs try to stage a bit of a mutiny Alex just straddles Dem when he's sitting in the chair and that is like the best part of the whole movie right there for whatever reason it's so weird but like you know if you're talking smack to someone and they come do that to you (laughs) what are you gonna do (laughs) I have no idea
1: (laughs) yeah like
0: I I don't know. That that would be
1: catch me off guard. Like, be like, what the heck? Because it's kind of uh, it's very strange. Yes, maybe I'll I'll have to start doing that. I'll have to start
0: doing that. I guess to win arguments, just see what happens. Yeah. Of course, we've been sitting here talking for an hour, but I cannot help but wonder: Did we? Do you feel we dove into the moral question enough? Like. Did we kind of did you say everything you wanted to say about the situation he's put in and the idea of human choice being like a right? The idea of that is pretty thought provoking because it's like, okay,
1: good people can make a choice, but there might be some people that are, you know, moderately bad, but aren't terrible but they make bad choices well in this government like you kind of have to take away that whole choice if it's bad so i mean it is a very thought-provoking thing to ask yourself like yeah what what do you have when you take somebody's choice away should bad people be able to make choices and it's just kind of like it's it's not a question for alex it's a
0: question for the government like it's just a question for humanity humanity yes like i said man as long as there are going to be people existing they're going to be they're going to be doing bad things some of them will be doing good things to brainwash like this is completely ridiculous in the first place just because it's so like i mean it's so horrific it's kind of hard to even wrap your brain around but i don't think that i don't think alex would change of his own volition and i think that uh some some dangerous violent uh, criminal like this i think you just got to keep him keep him away from society or something like that doing that ludovico's thing is pretty much stripping the right of being a human being with like a heartbeat in my yeah opinion. yeah but i just had this thought as well so
1: this was written around the same time mk ultra was going on A little after, I believe, which is kind of the same shit. Like, it's like uh, that whole program was mind control through LSD, which isn't that much farther from the whole Ludovico's technique. So it's just like, uh, (laughs) we got some past mistakes we need to address
0: here (laughs) in the US of A. I suppose that was kind of all I had to say, though. Did you want to give a sort of a rating on the book
1: yeah so like like i was saying i'm gonna rate these as two different books so for oh, sure the american version i'm gonna give it 8.5
0: uh milk drinks uh what were what knives uh, uh 8.5 uh, drinks of drenkrom out of 10 uh 8.5 for The American
1: version, then, like I was saying, is neck and neck. So the uh, 21st chapter, going to give it 8.6. Oh, wow. uh, 8.6.
0: Ultra uh, knives out of 10. Ultra knives out of 10. Now, um, (laughs) speaking of that, actually, I have the, the list of milk here. That he mentions right in the beginning, and it's Velocet, Drenchrom, and Synth-M-E-S-C, S y n t h e m e s c. Hmm, they all sound very good. Yeah, they do. I I could use a sort of drink that uh, maybe puts me into a daze for six hours straight. I actually don't know that I want anything like that, but
1: no, it sounds um, awful.
0: No, or yes, absolutely. But yeah, um, I like we did with Crime and Punishment, I always have a hard time putting a number on things. And I only like to do it if I really have to, to like keep a log of the films I watch and stuff like that. But I would absolutely say that this is probably, if it isn't my favorite book, it's one of my favorites. Um, don't really feel too personally about Rating both separate endings, I think that they are both interesting. It will drive me crazy until the day I die thinking about how I didn't even read the actual book; I only read ninety-five percent of it, and that some yeah. some dude was like, "Nope, this isn't this this right here." I am not really for it. Um, <laughs> just as a reading experience, even I am just gonna I am just gonna say that it is very horror show. In a good way. One of my like, favorite books I read in my entire jeansie. <laughs> oh, Lucas, you're being
1: sucked into the world of NADSAP. I love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The
0: word for face is litso. Uh, happy, li- <laughs>
1: happy litso
0: here. Nothing but happy litso's here. <laughs> the, baby, the baby going goo-goo-goo with milk dribbling out its rot and all sorts of foldy fat-like... incredible Uh, but you at the end of the day you would
1: recommend it and uh absolutely but, but as far as burgess would you uh
0: pick up another book by him do you think oh i've already i've already considered it of course the my copy of a clockwork orange here has ads for a few of his other works right in the front or back of the thing so i wouldn't be surprised if You know, one time in the in the future, I picked up another book by Mr. Anthony Burgess, famous Mr. John Burgess, famous composer, and well, not famous composer, but famous writer. (laughs) Hey, don't tell him that he's a very famous uh, composer as well. Yeah, no, sorry, sorry, John, very famous composer. Yeah, no, I would absolutely recommend. I'd recommend the movie. This book is such a quick read, too. The copy I have is like 180 pages. Yeah,
1: mine was, it, it's one of the thinner books I have on my bookshelf out of the oh, 1,000 page books I have by Stephen oh, King. Of yes,
0: yes. yes. <laughs> the Stand. The Stand. A yeah. literary classic. Yes. But I suppose, um, if you didn't have anything else to say, I suppose I'm, I'm just going to. Um, read off NADSAT words for the next hour and (laughs) you can jump out of the recording session if you want or whatever, but uh, I'm not done yet.
1: Uh, Before you do, can I just say uh, thanks for listening? (laughs) Uh, Oh,
0: yes. Yeah, I I guess if you have anything to say, then go ahead. (laughs) Thank you for listening, everyone. We've had a very fun time making this series. This This whole book is just very interesting to dive into and if we haven't praised it enough and if the praise that we've spoken of it doesn't make you want to read it then um i guess we really can't do anything for you yeah sorry <laughs> sorry <laughs> Ooh, that's just how it goes we had a fun yeah. time reading this book and we had <laughs> a fun time talking about it you, and you can kiss my sharies. Kiss my sharies. we're gonna be back next week with By the sounds of it, part one of The Call of Cthulhu by H.P. Lovecraft, the man who had a controversial reputation. Oh,
1: we'll get all into it and more, that piece of poop. Um, Oh, wow. You already have strong opinions on him. Oh, I do. And I mean... I the way I want this to play out. Sure, we're going to cover Cthulhu, but there's multiple elements in the story where I just want to tear this guy apart because he's very racist, and I just want to make oh, fun yeah. of him. I just want to make fun of him a lot, and so, uh, and it, it actually it's actually coming out with uh, Lovecraft Country, the series on HBO. Totally unintentional, but
0: uh, if we're, you don't know about that, we're um, tied into it yeah we gotta deal with hbo itself they uh, just put the first episode up on youtube
1: for free last night oh my gosh i need to watch yep. it even though i have hbo but yeah it plays more onto the yeah his racist views and uh yeah, i i actually don't know too much about it but um it's based on a book and i wouldn't mind uh picking that one up as well so cool yeah well
0: Follow us on Instagram at the Bad Apple Book Club. Please rate us on uh, iTunes and Spotify if you can rate on Spotify and maybe send us a message. We've got one message from our favorite listener, but it would just do the soul good to read something out over the airwaves. We can even give oh, someone a shout out if you want to.
1: Yeah, for, I mean, um, so I've actually had a few discussions with. Um, one of our listeners that Ooh. about Crime and Punishment, he actually read the whole book, wow. and uh, yeah, he's we've been kind of discussing it back and forth. He's been listening to the series. Yeah, very cool guy. He read the book because of the podcast. Yeah, wow. you know you know him too. He played trombone next to me, uh, loud and I, proud. I um, am going
0: to sleep differently tonight <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. Wow. Well, hey, yeah. thanks. Uh, thank you specifically. I know who Cole is talking about, but you know, I don't want to. <laughs> you know, for when we're getting a million listens, I don't want people um, to come knocking on this guy's like, door. Hey, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, Where does Cole and
1: Lucas live?
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you. I mean, thank you very much. That is honestly the best thing I've ever heard because I've been kind of wondering. If anyone has actually been picking up the mantle of doing that. So that's awesome. Yeah, it is. Books are fun, guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Good discussion. Very good points that you've brought up throughout the whole thing. Very um, just a great episode in general. I'm just going to say that, you know, I'm not even being vain.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, fun, fun to break down this novel especially can definitely feed off your energy and the much you love this book
0: so yeah it's, it's very Thank fun Thank you and with that i suppose i'll just uh tell anyone listening out there that i hope that you have a good rest of your day yeah thanks for listening and um
1: i hope you're doing well out there podcast, you
0: call me. Of course. You know, I can always do nothing with it.